What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Jason Buff. Welcome to another episode of the Jason Buff Podcast. Happy Easter, everyone. Today's a very special day. Very cool holiday. On this day, we commemorate the death of a very special person. You all know who I'm talking about. On this day, 3,000 years ago, he came back from the dead. He was resurrected. You know who I'm talking about. The Easter Bunny. That's right. 3,000 years ago, he died for our pleasures so we could eat candy and jelly beans on this day. On this day, 3,000 years ago, he was resurrected. He rose from the grave and he smashed and killed all the angry villagers that lynched him. He fucking stomped on him. He rose like 20 feet in the air and fucking stomped him like fucking Godzilla style. Just tore up the whole fucking city of Bethlehem. Oh. The Easter Bunny, that's my man. That's my dude. Yeah. I love Easter eggs. All those companies that come out with their own versions of Easter eggs. I love it. You know, the Snickers Easter egg is delicious. And the Reese's Easter egg and the Baby Ruth Easter eggs. I'm sure there's countless others. But I'm not eating that anymore. I'm on a diet. And I also don't want no cavities. But yeah, I like rabbits. Rabbits are cool. They're underrated pets. They're cool pets. They don't get as enough recognition as cats or dogs. Because, you know, rabbits, they're super quiet. They don't make noise at all. They don't cuddle with you. They'll just, like, sniff you. That's it with their little noses. Yep. But yeah, I used to have a pet rabbit. Yeah, I'll get into that story later. You know, I got my own resurrection going on now. Dr. Nasty is back from the dead. Dr. Nasty has been resurrected. I'm about to get into the origin story of Dr. Nasty right now. Tell you how it all started. It all started in Canada. I was born in a laboratory. A laboratory in Alberta, Canada. It's a place called Weapon X. Not not the place from the Wolverine comic book. No, this is a real actual place. Yeah, it's called Weapon X. And uh I mean everything you see in the Wolverine comic book, that pretty much happened to me too, but differently. I wasn't enhanced with super healing powers. Instead I was enhanced with supernatural good looks and the ability to talk shit. Like I guess supernatural superhuman talk shit abilities that's what i'm good at those are my superpowers looking good and talking shit so yeah i grew up in a laboratory about like the first eight or nine years of my life you know i was in the laboratory they tortured me a lot they threw me in a pool didn't even show me how to swim it was like hey you gotta do it for yourself you gotta fend for yourself homeboy 
And so that's how I learned how to swim by myself. I learned how to do everything by myself. So I was on my own in there. And then they kept experimenting. They kept experimenting on me in there. Like they kept sticking probes up my butt. I'm like, what? Why y'all keep putting stuff up my butt, man? This shit's weird. It's freaky, kinky. I don't like this weird, freaky shit. Quit putting stuff up my butt, man. Stop putting shit up my butt. So I had enough of that place. I managed to escape. You know, one day I snuck up behind a soldier when he came to my room. You know, he came in to uh, feed me my dinner. I hid behind the door. I waited for him to come in. I jumped up behind him, put him in a chokehold, fucking Cobra Clutch style, Sergeant Slaughter style. I choked him out. I put on his lab coat and then I sneaked out the hallway. I tippy toed out. I had the ID. I scanned my card, opened the door, boom, ran out. Then I jumped on a cargo ship and fled to Australia. Okay, so yeah, I was in a cargo ship. Next thing I knew, it was a big-ass typhoon, a hurricane of some sorts. It fucking hit the ship hard. Boom. Next thing you know, 48 hours, I wake up. I'm on the shores of Australia. Don't know where I'm at. You know, somebody took pity on me, fortunately. Someone was like, hello, mate. You don't look that good. We're going to put you in an orphanage. So, yeah, for the next five years, I stayed in an Australian orphanage in the outback. Uh, it was tough at first, but I got used to it. You know, my uh, foster mother was a goat herder, a sheep herder. Yeah, she was a farmer. And then my uh, foster stepfather, he was a waitress at Outback Steakhouse. He made a lot of money off of tips because they forced him to wear a skirt, a mini skirt at that. So, yeah, I grew up on the farm. Not much to say. It was a boring life. Uh, we had to grow carrots and stuff and celery and broccoli. And that's all we ate, too, celery, broccoli, and carrots. It was nasty. It was like, like vegetables. Yeah. Those were some tough years, man. Really, 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 really tough years. And so um, I had to grow crops. You know, they they gave me a, a little shotgun and they set up a barbed wire because they was trying to stop the rabbits from, um, you know, getting into the farm and eating up all the crops. So they taught me how to use a shotgun. And then it was like, they put me on the front lines one day. It was like, there's a rabbit, go shoot it. And I saw this cute little adorable rabbit walk by. I was like, man, I can't shoot it. I can't shoot it, man. It's too cute. So I ended up adopting that rabbit. Gave him a name. His name was Leroy. Leroy the rabbit. He was my pet rabbit. I loved him. So, yeah. And then one day... A fucking dingo ate him. A dingo ate my rabbit. After that, I was devastated. I was heartbroken. I was never the same after my rabbit was eaten by a fucking dingo. I was never the same after that. My rabbit was gone. 
Then I was under pressure from my stepfather. He wanted me to work at Outback Steakhouse with him. He wanted me to follow in his footsteps and become a waitress and wear a mini skirt and survive off tips. I'm like, no, I can't do that. I ain't going out like no punk bitch. So around that time, I developed an interest in pro wrestling. You know, I watched a lot of wrestling back then, a lot of WWE stuff. Yeah, I was really into it. And so um, one day I was like, you know what? Fuck it, I'm going to sign up for a wrestling school. I'm going to go to a wrestling academy. So I went to the biggest wrestling academy in Australia, Big Bubba's Workout Wrestling Camp. I went up to Big Bubba. I was like, Bubba, I'm going to join your camp. Then he was like, oh, you can't join, mate. You ain't ready. You're too young. You're too small. Then I was like, well, what, what you want me to do, man? He was like, you you got to go overseas, man. You you got to go to Japan, become a sumo wrestler or Turkey. And I was like, okay. You, he was like, you got you to go over there, man. You got to work up some experience. He was, he was like, it was either Turkey or Japan. I was like, all right, I'll go to Turkey and become a sumo wrestler. And I'll be back and I'll show you. So I hop on another cargo ship and I go all the way to Turkey. Wait, excuse me. It's not called Turkey anymore. I think it's called Turkey. Yeah, it's pronounced Turkey. So I went to Turkey to become a Turkish sumo wrestler. But when I went there and I signed up for a wrestling school, it was a different sport. It wasn't sumo. It was actually called Turkish oil wrestling. It's a completely different sport. You know, somehow there was a misunderstanding when I was talking to Big Bubba, you know, because of that thick Australian accent. It got lost in translation. Um, there's no sumo wrestlers in Turkey. It's oil wrestling. It's a real sport. It's legit. You can look it up on Google or YouTube. It's a bunch of big fat dudes all greased up in oil. And it's real slippery. A real slippery sport. They like they like wrestle each other in the grease. And um they uh sometimes to get a leverage on their opponent, they'll grab their junk, like their nutsack, to get for an advantage. So that that happened to me when I was doing the oil wrestling. It was like, first you got to get oiled up. I was like, hey, man, you, you ain't going to grease me up, man. I, I ain't with this freaky shit. It was like, you got to do it, man. I was like, all right. Grease me up, Sonny. So he greased me up. And I went to the mat. Well, it wasn't a mat. It was really just some dirt. It was like a ring carved in some sand. Went after my first opponent, boom, just slammed him. And after that, the rest was history. You know, I became a champ over there. I was like the undisputed wrestling, oil wrestling champ. You know, things were good, but, you know, the sport wasn't for me. I don't like dudes greasing me up and grabbing my chunk. It's like well, everywhere I go, someone's trying to either stick something up my butt or grab my junk or grease me up. I'm like, I can't live like this no more. I got to do something else. So I left, um, I left Turkey 
I went over to Sweden for a while. I went to Sweden. You know, I was working in a chocolate shop. You know, I didn't know. Um, I almost developed diabetes over there because I was getting free candy all the time after work. That was a tough time in my life. You know, I, I developed a candy addiction. So it was like I was selling and using candy. That's right. I was selling it and then eating it myself, the leftovers. It was a difficult life, man. I had to go to rehab for candy addiction. You know how embarrassing that is? It's rough, man. Breaking the candy addiction. Man, that's the hardest thing I ever had to do in my life. So while I was at rehab, you know, there was all these other guys talking about their addictions. You know, I met another guy who had a candy addiction. His name was uh, Willie Winthorpe, an unusual name. And then they asked, what, he's do what does he do for a living? He says he's a professional stripper. I was like, what? We were all like, what? You strip? And he was like, yeah, that's how I got addicted on candy in the first place. You know, usually women tip me with money. But one time a woman ran out of money. So she just tipped me with some Kit Kat bars and the Snickers. And I was like, okay, I'll take it, but don't do it again. And I ate the candy and became addicted. And then I started eating up all the candy in sight, go to all the grocery stores, buy all the candy. And so he became addicted to candy because of stripping. But he said it was a lucrative career being a stripper. So I looked into it. And then I signed up. I had to go to a rigorous boot camp. And I toured all over Europe stripping. Yep. Made a lot of Euros. You know, I spent that money on lots of stuff. I didn't need yachts and fancy sports cars. Rare video games. Baseball cards, jacuzzis, women, comic books, plants, origami, origami plants, designer suits. I had it made. Yeah. I ran through that money fast. And then one time I went back to Australia. I was on tour down there. And I ran into Big Bubba again. He was like, hey, mate. I see you get, you're in shape now. You, you, you want to wrestle? I'm like, bitch, I got my own career now. I'm a stripper. I'm Dr. Nasty, motherfucker. He was like, okay. I'm like, I don't need your... Crappy wrestling school no more. I got my own money. Yep. All right.
That was the first part of the origin story of Dr. Nasty. All right, that's my time, folks. See you next time on the Jason Buff Podcast.